0: Welcome to
1: Nick Pollock and friends, where I talk to people I know and who you should know. This week is Jason Collette. Uh, he ladled himself as Scooter inside of StreamYard right now, which is absolutely hilarious and such a good representation of his character and makes me so excited to talk to him today. Jason, uh, thanks for being here today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Good to see you. <laughs> Cracks me up like a Scooter. My God. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we'll we'll get into that in a bit, um, but as you guys know, listening to, to this podcast, this is a show not about fantasy baseball, and uh, it's more of an expression of everyone that's involved in it are people, and there's so much more to all of us than just talking about you know, the Tampa Bay Rays or who the sleepers are this year, and uh, first and foremost, I really want you to talk about all the things you're doing now. Uh, where people can find you, and just uh, all the all the places uh, where they, uh, you know, where your tendrils have spread through the years.
2: Sure, it's a little uh, more funneled these days, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, I most Sundays I'm on the Sleeper in the Bus podcast with Justin Mason. Typically, a rotating guest uh, will join us. We didn't do this past weekend for Mother's Day. Uh, which was of course. great because I spent the day cooking brunch and dinner. And I was like, are we pleased we're taking the day off? He goes, yeah, I'm like, awesome. So I, I did a lot of that. So I'm there most Sundays. And then RotoWire, wire the collect calls uh, column runs weekly, typically runs on Thursdays. Uh, and then on Saturdays, you can hear me on SiriusXM as I join the RotoWire. wire uh, fantasy sports show, uh, usually about, uh, what's a two 30 Eastern every Saturday. They have me nice. on for a uh, long segment. So that's, oh, that's, fan- that's where you fantastic.
1: can find me these days. Great. And, uh, what did you cook for mother's day? Like what, uh, what are the staples oh. of Jason Collette?
2: Oh, let's see. I did, uh, smoked chicken, uh, cilantro and lime, smoked chicken breast, uh, some garlic and her potatoes, asparagus. Um, what else did we do? We did. And then in the morning I made some, uh, Made some homemade bagels and then plantain pancakes using oh smashed plantains as the uh, no flour in, uh, in that and no flour in the other ones either. So, uh, you know, my wife's trying to uh, do some things uh, and I said, all right, let me see what I can make. And so I made brunch and I made uh, dinner. My mom and, and stepfather came over and joined us for dinner on on Thursday on on Sunday night, too. So I had to make something that
1: both of them would like. Well, lucky them, my God. Uh is this something I mean clearly you didn't just show up on Saturday and say, you know what, I'm gonna cook all of these things. Like this is uh you have a history of doing this. Like how did you get into cooking?
2: Uh and really, that's one of the good things out of the pandemic is I kind of uh, brought back an old habit. Uh, when I was dating my wife, that's one of the ways I courted her was cooking. Hmm. Uh, and then when you know, with with work and all the travel I had to do, obviously that kind of fell by the wayside. And then when kids enter the picture, it's like forget it. It's like, what are they eating? I'll have some of that. Uh, right, but see, right. you know, over the past year, with me being home full time uh, and not on the road, I was able to start cooking some things and get getting back into it. And so yes. Uh, Friday night, Saturday morning, my wife and son had to head out of town uh, for the night uh, for for one of his events. So I had Saturday morning to plan things out, sat down, I was like, OK, let me find some things. Uh, she's mentioned this. She's mentioned this. And I put together a menu, went out, shopped, cooked it out. So uh, I'm not somebody that can go like off script. I've got to I've still got to look at recipes. But once sure, I yeah. got it down once, I'm like, OK, I know what I need to do uh, in the future. So uh, that's how I put it all together.
1: It's kind of like music, though. You you know the chords, you know the notes, but that doesn't mean you have to play in a very specific way. Like what how you get expressed or you express yourself is like how you're adding the vibrato and the little changes here and there from the recipe itself.
2: See, and I'm glad you brought up music because, I you know, for our buddy Alex, I have a little ukulele here. And, you know, this is the only tune I know how to play. That is right here. The, the, you know, the ghosts, they hate this. Uh, but that's all I know how to do. I literally bought oh this and, and started learning a few things. And then my daughter started using it and then I forgot to use it. But then when I was like, oh, I got to bring I got to bring a prop on the on the show today with Nick. So that's for you, Alex. Your, your oh. base skills are awesome. Uh, my ukulele skills are not awesome.
1: Well, that, that's amazing. If you guys don't know, Alex Fast is doing weekly on Monday nights uh, bass hits where he plays a bass guitar and gives you a stat along the way. Is there
2: anything I, a dude can't do, by the way? I, I don't know. I'm realizing the more I get to know him, just how many talents he's had. <laughs> I mean, hot dog slinger. Uh, right? And that one right. I actually knew because we were watching Food Network or something. with My wife and he pops up. I'm like, oh, I know that dude.
1: <laughs> so- right. It, it, it's incredible. Uh, the story. I mean, one day I'll actually get him on this. It'll probably be his nightmare. <laughs> uh, to, to talk about the actual history of Alex Fast, um, but uh, but yeah, I am the producer of that show. I'm the one that lifts the uh, the boom mic with a with a squeak <laughs> nice. every single time. I'm very proud of my <laughs> addition to the bass hits. But no, that was a wonderful ukulele. Uh, I don't have a, a a catchy name for it yet, but maybe um, I, I can get there later on. You're good um, at catchy names. I trust you. Well, you call it Bob. It's your Bob Uke, of course. <laughs> there <you> um, go. <laughs> that's that's all we knew. We can move on from there. Uh, but yeah, so so Jason, for those that are not too familiar, you talked about the things you're doing now. But I mean, let's go from the beginning. As I like to do with a lot of people, is so let's start. Where did you grow up, and what you know, what was your family like? Like, what were the kind of things that uh, you were doing as a kid? So yeah, I have a, a kind
2: of convoluted family history. Like my my parents were high school sweethearts, got married young. Divorced young, uh, and, but I, you know, uh, from from D.C. area. Then my uh, my parents moved to Florida to follow uh, my dad's parents, uh, and then so I I grew up in Florida And Kissimmee as it was developing into uh, as Disney put its footprint down. You know, I was born in '72. I moved to Kissimmee in '75, and uh, yeah, and so as Kissimmee started blowing up, as Disney started getting bigger, obviously, and then. Uh, went to go live with my dad in Texas. So I moved to uh, moved to Houston uh, as third grader and stayed there until the end of my freshman year in high school. Came back to Florida uh, where I stayed until I relocated uh, to North Carolina in 2014. But so, you know, bounced around a little bit between divorced parents. Uh, but, you know, there's pluses and minuses on, on both sides. You know, growing up, being able to spend formative years in Texas was great. You know, this was the 80s. So I had, you know, I, I came in just as the Astros were losing to the Phillies in the 1980 postseason, but I got to enjoy the, uh, uh, the Houston Cougars basketball team, uh, making it to the, making it to the final four and losing to NC state and losing Mm the, the Georgetown. Yeah. I got to enjoy the Astros uh, in the 1986 postseason run. Um, The Oilers were never good. in fact, never went to an (laughs) Oilers game. I got to enjoy the Rockets when they got into the, when they got into the uh, NBA championship and lost to the Celtics. Uh, you know, a lot of lot of fun time, and that's really where I became a big sports fan because there's a lot going on in Houston sure. at that time. So when I moved, up, when I came back to Florida, there was nothing. It's like the Magic didn't exist yet. I'm, I'm old, guys. You know, I turned 49 in September. Uh, so the, the magic didn't exist yet. And the Tampa Bay Bucks were there. But, you know, my whole family's from D.C. It's all about Washington. Uh, and sure. back then, we were actually proud of the franchise because uh, of Joe Gibbs and everything and not the not the dumpster fire that Dan Snyder's turned it into now. Um, so the Bucks were just nothing. And the Dolphins were nothing. Didn't care about them. Uh, and we didn't have baseball. And the only baseball yeah, we had right. was minor league and spring training. And that was it. Uh, and it's not like you could just watch games. And I was like, okay, I'm not watching the Braves on TBS because this was back in the days when it was the Astros and the Braves were both in the NL West. So it's like, I hate the Braves, really hated Dale Murphy. The guys seemed like hit 800 against the Astros. Uh, so I didn't watch them. And then, you know, when the Marlins came about, I'm like, nope, I already have a National League team. Forget about it. And so people ask me, how do you get to be, how did you become a Tampa Bay fan? It's because there was American league baseball accessible to me as an adult for the first time. I and mean, we never even went to Texas to go see the Rangers. We didn't drive up there to go see the Rangers play when I'd lived in Texas because my dad just hated traffic. So he's like, I'm not going to Dallas for anything. <laughs> uh, and uh, so that's, you know, that's, that's really how I became a big sports fan. Houston had a big uh, footprint on me, even though uh, I really don't have any allegiances to any of those teams anymore.
1: Right, and uh, so they arrived in uh, what was it, ninety nine and ninety seven? The Rays, uh, the 98. Rays 98. 98, Okay, what's the difference? Yeah, just yeah, just get the average. That's that's me right there. Um, so I so what was that like? I mean, you finally had like an American League team to root for, uh, and it wasn't easy at first rooting for the Rays. Oh God, no, it was awful.
2: Uh, I mean, the, the drive over it was two hours from my house to Tropicana Field on a good day. Uh, and mm-hmm. it was you know, the the previous ownership didn't take care of, didn't take care of the place at all. We would make jokes like our shoes would get stuck on the floor. I mean, they really just didn't clean the place. It was awful, but it was still baseball, and it was still right. like, hey, let's go see some baseball. And so, you know, th- when different teams would come through town, uh, my, you know, my best friend and I were like, hey, let's go. Uh, or you know, th- sometimes we'd have caravans of folks. I remember one particular game uh, where a bunch of us we were still. You know, I was at the time I was a teacher. I was teaching uh, when the when the race came in, I was in middle. I was middle school at that time. So I was teaching middle school and a bunch of us were doing summer school. And I was like, hey, the Rays are playing the A's. Let's go over. It's like thirsty Thursday. Somebody draws a short straw. They're the driver. Uh, and so eight of us piled into like this Ford Expedition. And we go over and like Ben Greve is playing right field. Uh, and just, like we're heckling Ben Greve all night. Somebody one time Ben Greve was called the next Ted Williams. Oh, I remember this. I remember
1: baseball cards. Ben Grieve, You had to get them.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And my best friend let him have it for like seven innings uh, about it. But we and then uh, on the drive home, we got stuck behind a rolling roadblock on I-4. We didn't make it back to Orlando until 530 in the morning. And summer school started at 730. We had literally been up. The entire day And so that was not A pretty day At summer school The next day But that's what we did To go watch baseball We wanted to go And and, and drive over and, and see things And then You know uh, Then they started Playing a couple of series uh, One series a year At Wide World of Sports On Disney So I was like Hey I don't have to go to I don't have to go to St. Pete to see the Rays play I can just go down the road On Disney And so in, in 07 and 08 I think they played Toronto well, One time it was Toronto One time it was Texas But they played at Disney uh, And it just made it easier So I just started Going to games more frequently Frequently, you know, my my first child, my son was born in 05 and I took him to his first game that summer. Uh, But, you know, as he got older, the place got better and better and uh, it just became an enjoyable place. You know, it never there's no rainouts. like I'm going to a Charlotte Knights game tonight here at home. Uh, and I'm hoping it doesn't rain But I'm not right. used to that Having grew up, grew up in the Astrodome And then with the Tropicana Field yeah, Rainouts are yeah. just a foreign concept to me So it really drives me nuts uh, When I make a pl- make plans to go to a game And I was like, oh man, i got to worry about the weather uh, Next week I'm going to Cleveland I've never been to a baseball game in Cleveland Cleveland mm-hmm. and Kansas City and Texas So the final three parks I have to make it to I'm going to Texas for the Rays Series next month uh, And Cleveland I, was, I had some uh, miles that were going to expire so I'm going flying up Saturday morning, going to the game on the 22nd and flying home the next morning. That's it. But uh, I have to worry wow. about if it rains out that I'm like, I don't I still yeah. got to go to the stadium, go in, scan my ticket. But like, OK, I was here. Uh, yeah, right, I right, right. wanted to see it.
1: Man, I have, I'm so jealous. I've been to I think it's uh, maybe five official baseball stadiums and two of them are Shea and Old Yankee Stadium.
2: I never made it uh, to Shea. I went to Old Yankee. I went to Old Yankee, like... Old Baltimore, okay, Old Miami,
1: uh, Old Atlanta, and uh, what am I missing? Well, I feel like I'm cheating uh-huh. because it's it's just been cores. Um, like I was, I uh, were you? Uh, did you? You were you able to make? I don't think you were in 2018 to the Fangraphs meetup in no. Colorado, right? No. Nope. Um, so I was able to go to Coors Field for that, and then I've been to City Field and Yankee Stadium, right? And that's really it. And it's so sad. Like even when I was in college, I didn't get a chance to go off to Fenway because when I was in uh, Brandeis outside of Boston, mm-hmm. because I was only really there for you know two months of the season, and in September it was already all sold out and all that kind of thing. Right. I just couldn't go. And ah, oh, it, it's it's I hear like oh yeah, I've been to every stadium and stuff. I just yes, I gotta I gotta find a way to do that at some point in my life um it, it's just such a beauty of going to these stadiums i mean even like going to the minor league stadium for the uh the pirates uh, the last spring training 2019 mm-hmm. was just or 2020 rather was just so it's like right it's a new experience it's a new park it has its own perks even though it's minor leagues it's still just or really spring training it was amazing it was fantastic and uh it's, you've been to all these parks i mean you know which ones are the best ones now right i mean pnc park for example is that as good as everyone says
2: it really is. I mean, the views are amazing. Uh, I took my son there. His his birthday is July thirteenth, uh, and you know, before all the craziness hit in, we'd always try to schedule somewhere to go. Uh, and one year, we we went to Baltimore to go see the the Rays play the Orioles for two games, and then drove over after the day game Saturday to Pittsburgh and saw the Sunday game. Uh, Pittsburgh versus, maybe it was San Francisco. It was Jameson tie-on t-shirt giveaway day, and that's oh, what I yeah. remember about Let's it. Let's go! Uh, and it was nice. I mean, it's a really nice park. Uh, you get up in the shade, and uh it, it was just really nice and some yeah. of them had changed like i've been to course field a few times and my my last trip you know the whole upper deck right field feels like a giant singles bar now it's got fire pits that's and, where we you know, were right yeah captain's
1: quarters or whatever they called it
2: yep. yeah captain's back in deck. the day it was it was regular bleachers and all but last time i was there it was like man this place has completely changed
0: yeah uh, and so
2: you know some of them i, I uh, two years ago I made it out to I I was able to go to like the the contrast. I went to a game at Oakland and a game at San Diego on the same trip, uh, on the same business trip. And I had been to San Diego a couple of times. But Oakland, that that was definitely a one and done situation. No desire to go back there again uh, unless they get a new park. I'll go back there when I get a new
1: one. But I have seen enough of the the current. I always (laughs) find it so strange that you have stadiums that close off part of their seating you know that just never seems right to me uh and uh yeah i I mean i want to still go i want to experience oko that i've talked about so many times (laughs) uh over the years but um but anyway moving moving away from baseball just for a moment here um you you talked about as a kid just getting into sports Mm -hmm. um but did you always see yourself writing about sports and being a teacher when you were younger
2: uh, being a teacher. Yes. Writing about sports. No. Uh, right. yeah. Like I, I mentioned earlier with, uh, with the divided household and whatnot, uh, school is kind of a sanctuary for me. Uh, like mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed being at school. My teachers would say I enjoyed it too much. Uh, and that was the problem. Yeah, uh, right. I, I kind of, uh, craved attention, uh, whether I got it positively for my academics or negatively for my behavior, I wanted attention. Uh, and there were a few teachers like this past week was Teacher Appreciation Week. And, you know, we were asked at work, you know, like, who are some people that made impacts on your education career? And there's like three teachers I can think of right off the top of my head, sure. elementary high school and college. You know, like in, in elementary school, it was Mr. Goss. And he was my, uh, you know, typically in elementary, you have one teacher for everything. One well, fifth grade in, in spring, Texas, we rotated. So he was my history and my math teacher. Uh, and I thought of him as this giant of a man. Uh, and was just, a, he was a tall guy. Uh, and I just thought he was a giant of, of a man, but I just loved being in his class. Uh, and I never got in trouble in this class. Had always loved this class. My other classes, not so much, uh, but it's like, then I thought about, I want to be, I want to be like him. I want to be that dude. And it was funny in eighth grade, I had his father as my history teacher in middle school. Uh, and his father was a world war two veteran, you know, Oldest dirt, but just you could see you could see where the sun, you know, the fruit didn't fall far from the tree. He had the same type of experience in his class, and then as a senior in high school, yeah, I had the probably the worst case of senioritis you've you've ever seen. I got mm-hmm. super sick my junior year of high school, missed a ton of class, um, and I barely passed as a junior. So my GPA you know, colleges were like, "Hey, look at your test score! Oh my god, look at your GPA!" Right, right. Um, and so I knew I was going to community college. So all I had to do was pass. Uh, and I was like, okay, bare minimum, what am I going to pass? But one of the sk- classes I took was a contemporary history class with Miss Thomas, uh, and it, it was like Dead Poet Society, honestly. You you walk into class and she would have a topic on the board and left and right. And you just like read the board, like, okay, I'm on this side of the argument. You go sit over there, I'm on this side, you go sit over there. You get together, talk, and then it would be debate. And that was every class. And I loved the class. I never yeah. skipped it. Even the dean, like, I get called on Dean's office. He's like, all right, clip. You skip first period, just you have perfect attendance in seventh period. What <laughs> is going on? I was like, come to her class. I love her class. He goes. Let me get this straight. You will skip school, go to the beach, do whatever, but you will come back to finish it. And I guess, yes, Yes, I you know whatever, do whatever you want. But I said that class, come to her class and see why. Uh, And then in college and graduate school, uh, Dr. Gunter, I was you know I was teaching at the time I was teaching third grade, and yeah, I my uh, my first wife, she was she was already in graduate school working, but she was working uh, on campus. Uh, around classes in the education college. He goes, Hey, there's this new ed tech program that's opening up. Um, you know, I'm in grad school. We should do grad school together. I was like, no, 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 no fine. Uh, so I, I got in there and then, I was like, I loved it right away because we were a cohort of 18 people and it was adults. You know, I spent my entire day talking to eight year olds uh, and, and and you know, at, at a very challenging school, uh, lowest performing school. And I uh, that was my day. And so I was like, ooh, adult interaction. Right. right. Uh, and they had just started doing online learning uh, for some things. I was like, no, no, no. I'm coming to campus. I live near campus. But I was like, I need adult interaction. I need to be able to talk with adults. But, you know, with her. You know, she saw she knew what I was doing and she leveraged my strength. She tolerated my, uh, you know, my ability that, you know, that desire to seek out attention never really went away. But I ended up with straight A's all the way through graduate school. Uh, and she was my instructor for all but two of my classes. Uh, but it was, you know, I in some of my classes. We had to spend the entire Saturday, which was to me was a nightmare. It's like, OK, Saturday's fall. I want to go watch college football instead. I got to right, stay right. in the computer lab and work all day. But it's you know after the first or second one I'm like you know what this isn't so bad uh, I can I can do without it uh, now if I had to go back to school now and they were like hey let's take some Saturdays off because we got to I'm like no 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 I got to go to baseball trips you know I got to go do something like that but yeah you know, sure, those sure. three people really so my first you know in fifth grade is the ten year old I'm like I want to be like that dude and I mentioned him being a tall dude because my brother had him as a fifth grader when I went back for like meet the teacher that I was taller than him. By the time Mm -hmm. I was in eighth grade, I was taller than that guy. But in fifth grade, I was like looking up to him. And in eighth grade, he and I were—I was just slightly taller than him. uh, Yeah, you were
1: looking up figuratively and literally. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's wonderful. So I mean, so that's what you do now, right? You you are you are a teacher. That is, uh, you know, through the day. I remember. Well, no, a little different.
2: I mean, now I'm still in the education space, but I was able to take that. Take the graduate degree, uh, the master's in ed tech and apply it to the business side. So I I did stay in education and and the public side of things until 2005 and then made the jump over to the private sector to work uh, on the on the business side of things. So now uh, now I work uh, in a digital solutions capacity uh, and, and help lead a team that talks to others about integrating digital solutions into their ecosystem. So if somebody says, hey, I'm interested in your curriculum, we use Canvas or we use Schoology, we use Google Classroom, uh, and, and this is how our students authenticate to get into our environment. How can you and how can you all work with us? I work with that team that makes that possible. Uh, you know, we give information, you know, do some hands-on work with some places, self-service some models, and the other. But I work in that mostly pre-sales capacity uh, alongside of our sales folks. Because our sales folks, uh, you know, anybody sale, they have a big book bag and they have to know a lot about it, certain things. So they have that. Yeah, you know, they have a, a broad knowledge, but they lack the depth uh, mm-hmm. in, in most areas. And my team is the depth in that technical area, which is becoming uh, more important by the week. Uh, obviously, right. the pandemic really surfaced that. Uh, and I always say, it, you know, pandemic put a spotlight on on how you were doing this. And if you yeah, were doing it really yeah. well, you look great. And if you weren't ready, uh, it was the other direction. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, my team's been really busy uh, since March of 2020 uh, with that. But, you know, that's 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 my job these days.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's good busy, too. I mean, you know, a lot of us uh, during the quarantine felt this weird lack of purpose, you know, I remember specifically once the, the season was delayed, I remember the next day, you know, a, a kind of exhausting all my thoughts about it. I put out like the definitive guide for the shortened season kind of mm-hmm. thing. And then after that, I just thought, what what do I do? You know, it, it's we're just waiting, twiddling our thumbs. Sure, we have a plan for when things might get back into motion, but then it's just, it, you lose a sense of direction. And I imagine for you, it was like, yeah, it, it, in some ways it was high gear for you. Uh, and more intense because of that, because you had to you know, coordinate everybody else and get them up to speed as quickly as possible.
2: Yeah, it absolutely was. I mean, I, you, when you put yourself, I always like to put myself in the shoes of the people I'm helping. Uh, it's quite easy for me because A, I was a teacher, uh, but then I have right. close family members that still are. I, I have a, a, I have one cousin who's an elementary school principal in Denver. I have another one who's a high school teacher in Peoria, Arizona. I have uh, my sister-in-law is a this year was her first year teaching. She went back to school, got her degree, and she's teaching kindergarten uh, in the neighboring school districts. So, like this year was her first year. So I have, you know, very relevant stories plus my own experience, which is in the background. But I'm still, you know, I've been in the, I've been in the education space my entire professional career. Uh, so I try to put myself in their shoes. And when you when you get told on like Friday, hey, next week we're virtual instruction, and here's your logins. Have fun you get no training. Uh, I would imagine it much like, Hey, pitchers, here's a bat, go up there and hit. Yeah, right.
1: Uh, (laughs) So,
2: Uh, I, I put the, so I was spending a lot of time, and it was really all hands on deck thing. So you know, there were a lot of uh, educators around the country that were getting replies from Jason C at Tech Support. You know, I was jumping in, going into tickets, and 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 yeah, since I, I didn't have any baseball to write about, I, I could spend my time and do more yeah. and writing technical <laughs> notes. And so I, I was I was just answering things and and putting my efforts into there, but I was just Jason C from Tech Support. Even though I have senior director in my title, and I can't tell you the last time I had touched a technical support ticket before March 2020, but it was all hands on deck when I looked at that. And, you know, you could just feel the, the the pain coming through some of the cases because everybody just had this massive change of workflow dumped well, on their desk with, with very little preparation.
1: Absolutely. I mean, these are the situations where, yeah, as you said, all hands on deck, you got to you recognize like what. What you know, there are going to be the situations in everything that you do. You got to Mm -hmm. realize, sure, this is my routine, this is what I want to do. But there are so many situations. This is what you got to stop and assess what is most important. What are the things that need to get done? Can I help do those things? And it can be really challenging at times to, to really distance yourself from it and actually look at it in an objective way because there's a lot of times I have to make this decision a ton where we're spending so much time working on some feature or some element of the site or some article or whatever and all i'm thinking to myself is but this other thing that is so crucial is just not getting done in the meantime and how to shift those resources around and here you are saying yeah i'll i have to answer tickets because we got to do that this is what needs to get done in this moment it's 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 a it's a tough balance to have but it's very important to to understand that yes you can Take yourself out of autopilot every so often to really reassess what's going on. Um, Also, you mentioned some teachers. I I couldn't help but think of, you know, Miss Clary, for example, my 10th grade English teacher who I actually knew through the camp at my school, Mm -hmm. Who, uh, which some of you are going to think that like I would dislike her for this, but I think it just spoke to the relationship I had with her um, was I remember in the middle of class, I was saying something and she stopped me and said, annunciate Nick. (laughs) <laughs> and because I have a lazy tongue, and it's something that I very much passively just uh, don't distinguish like my D's and T's, I don't say them in, in mm-hmm. words often, just kind of slur it all. And it, boy, you hear it now, but back then, much worse. So it didn't matter how much embarrassment <laughs> that gave me, you know, like she recognized, like, no, this is important for you and your future, and you're going to understand that. And you're gonna do that, and I, I've always respected Miss Clary a ton for that and, and everything like that. There was also Mister Martin, who, um, he was. I mean, I, I think I had Mister Martin five times in seven years at my school, which is just unheard of. You just, you know, you have like your eighth grade teacher, and then yeah. maybe you're lucky, like you know, eleventh grade or something. Like, no, no, no. Like, endlessly, I would always get paired with him, and I uh, I remember distinctly him. Um, I think it was sixth grade or seventh grade. Uh, I wrote some story about something and it wasn't very good. You know, I was, I was a terrible writer and my parents were concerned. And in the parent teacher conference, Mr. Martin, who I always think of him kind of like Orson Wells. And, and, and that's just kind of who he was mm-hmm. just nodded his head with his pocket watch. He had a pocket watch. And oh, everything. wow. <laughs> the, little vet, the vest and everything, the kind of slick back hair, but uh, it was just, oh, I loved him. Um, he would say, it will come. It will come. You know, that's what he would tell my parents. And I mean, I wouldn't call myself, you know, an amazing Pulitzer Prize winning author or writer or anything close to that. But man, if you read some of the things back then, I can understand why my parents were terrified. And Mr. Martin always <laughs> believed in me um, and worked with me through all of that. And I just have so much to thank for him and just how kind he was. And uh, it, it, it would have those kind of discourses all the time in class. Like it didn't it never felt like this was. Uh, You know, we had to learn this thing. It was just, Mm -hmm. hey, let's just all talk it out. And how do you feel about this? And this happened in this story. What do you think this means? And it it was just very, Mr. Martin was the best. He would nod his head back and forth in this. Yes. mm, Absolutely. (laughs) Ah, it was uh, a great teacher is just a wonderful, wonderful thing that they never leave you. And, you know, I, I know this sounds very sappy, but yeah. We got to give more respect to them; those that really actually spend their time and how they're way too.
2: Yeah, Make I mean, it's sad better. they get a week. Teacher appreciation week. It's like, why can't it be a month? I, I, yeah, I know some right. parents with this thing going. I gotta buy gifts for my. I'm like, I get that. Yeah, it's. Yeah, you know, Teacher Appreciation Week was always fun when the gift cards would come in or the coffee mugs or every now and then one of the dads would bring in a box that was wrapped up. I'd open it up; it'd be a twelve-pack of beer. I'm like, "Yes, thank you so much for that." Uh, so yeah, they would uh, sneak alcohol on campus for me and and say, "You know, don't open this on campus." So I knew exactly huh, what it was.
1: Yes. Oh man, I've uh, yeah, I, I've been given gifts as like a, a basketball coach or even like as a camp counselor. Um, mm-hmm. Well, maybe not as a camp counselor, but definitely like, open this later. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, okay, yes, thank you. Thank you so much, Karen. Uh You understand. <laughs> um, I know this is going to be a really controversial thing I'm about to say, but it still bothers me so much that considering how much we understand, we've like witnessed this and we see this of... The impacts that teachers have on on development, and if there's anything that I think everyone listening and whatever will be unified on is, yes, child development is one of the most important things for for this entire country and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I don't think anyone will protest about that. Um, It all comes down to teaching, and I still just... I can't help but wonder like why aren't teachers the highest paid job like in America kind of, you know, (laughs) like why that what we should do is we should be weeding as much out like the ones that are bad influences and are phoning it in and encouraging. There's so many people that would be incredible teachers that don't because it's just, you know, they're, to there's all these other opportunities that just pay better and uh, better scenarios. And it's just right. Why we're, we should be funneling them into this profession. Yeah. So well,
2: or people, of everybody, yeah, all people that are passionate them. about education, you know, all the people right. that are passionate about education, leave education right. because, you know, I spent you know, here's here's full transparency. I had 10 years in the school system with a master's degree and I left the school system making $36,200 in 2005. Wait, it's it's unbelievable. I had friends that didn't go to college uh that were making more than me uh in different professions and I'm not trying to slight different profession but like I had no, no, 6 yeah, yeah. years of education put into my craft and I was making less money. And after ten years, and it was just like this. and I was like, I can't take it. I, I had my breaking point. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Uh, you know, when you've got two sets of graduate idea. loans to pay off—one for you know, one for my you know, then wife, one for me—it's just like I can't do it. Uh, but it's like I was looking at it like at the inverse uh, of sales. You know, you often hear that it, it costs five times the amount of money to secure new customers than it is to per- to keep the ones you have, right? Sure. But in education, it's like the other way around. It's going to cost you five times as much to treat problems. That then it was like if, if we did more right, upstream right. work, there's a great I'm listening to a great audiobook right now by Dan Heath called Upstream. Uh, it talks about solving problems, you know, spending the t- investing the time and money upstream. How early can you address these things? You mentioned like childhood development, that's why we have the pre K program, it's why that came out, yes, because it is demonstrably makes an impact on these things. So it's like, what can we do there so these things don't perpetuate and get all the way down the chain? And so by the time uh, and like uh, one of the others in the same book, they talk about Chicago public schools. They they noticed at one point they had a 52 percent graduation rate in, in Chicago public schools about 12 years ago. And it's like nightmare. And then they went back and looked at all the data and found like in ninth grade, they could identify as freshmen, whether these guys were going to graduate in ninth grade. And so they went ahead and invested a bunch of time and resources into activities there and brought that graduation rate up into closer to 80 percent just by attacking ninth grade. Now, what right, if we did right. fifth grade? You know, what if we, yeah. look, so it's like, what can we do? And this applies to anything in life. What can you do further upstream to avoid the problems as yeah. they as they uh, have a compounding effect later in life, uh, later yeah, in the, life, or later yeah, how in the can equation? Be
1: more more proactive and understand the the root and node of of all these problems instead of just being reactionary. Which mm-hmm. is just like you know talking about e ray and whip without understanding their actual underlying <laughs> skills. I'm just joking, guys. That's a, I'm not going to do that ever again. But yeah, it's it's something that. Um, like for example, you know my my sister, very deep in education, is a vice principal international school. It's, you know, I'm very I'm very proud of the fact that she's involved in this and doing it. She's someone that should be involved. In this. she's so great at it, and like, you know, she could probably leave and do other you know things or be more lucrative and everything like that. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, and I she does such a great job with it, and I'm I'm so happy she's a part of it. But I've had friends that go in and they they leave it like it's just. Ha, ah, it bothers me immensely, um, and I'm not going to ramble anymore about it. I think everyone's on the same page about it. It's just, it just blows my mind that this is, seems like such an obvious thing we have to be pushing more, and we're still kind of not. You know, we're 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 not pouring in the resources that we really need to be doing uh, for it anyway. I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears here. So we've talked about uh, you getting in your love for baseball, but I do want to now talk about your start in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I've actually, I think you you've linked up with a couple of other people that have been on this show, but it started at a forum. Correct?
2: It did. Yeah, it started at Roto Junkie, uh, and so uh, and Roto Junkie still exists If you like, if you go to RJ Bullpen, like the RotoJunkie.com domain. Uh, got absorbed when 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 Liberty Media, at the time Fanball, uh, mm-hmm. acquired the site. Uh, And then it all kind of fell apart, but somehow the domain still owns. So we just created a new domain and restarted the forum because they were just like, ah, we're not going to do anything. So we had to stand it up. So that all still exists. And so that's been around since 1999. uh, And it's like kind of weird to be talking about a forum that's still prevalent, but it's out there. Yeah. Todd Zola manages it. Uh, it, He, you know, he runs it. So it's out there. And I, I I get together with some of those folks when I, when I'm out in the road or if they're coming uh, here through North Carolina, uh, different types of things, but that's how I got involved. I mean, I, been playing fantasy baseball i started in college uh and i got got into my first league uh, by talking to a guy in the burger king kitchen he and i were working the opposite sides of the grill we would talk baseball all the time and he just mentioned hey i need to uh if 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 you ever play fantasy baseball at the time i was essentially playing sim leagues i was playing things on earl weaver baseball and tony la russa baseball on my pc wow uh and so i was like sure i'll get into this and so then i started playing and then I found Roto Junkie was reading some things and, uh, and then I just said, Hey, the farm futures area, the minor league stuff, I go to a lot of minor league games here in Florida. I'm happy to write some stuff up and, and contribute. Uh, and so I reached out to the guys that, that ran the site, uh, Bob Coleman, Byron Cox, and they were like, sure. Uh, and so I started writing, uh, for the site in, uh, 2000, uh, 2001 and, uh, have been or in, and since. And that's, that's really, I mean, I've been writing regularly now about 20 years. <laughs> that's a, that's, it's really, it's it. really
1: incredible, Jason. Um, and I remember even I, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've said this about a lot of people in the industry, which should be no surprise, but um, I remember my very first interaction with you. I don't know if you remember this. Um, back in 2000, I want to say it was 15 or 16, maybe 16. Um, one of my writers, Ian Post, did an article about Jake Faria. Uh, yes. A big a big gift breakdown about everything that he's been doing. Um really, really great piece by Ian. And we saw that Jacob Freya's fiance liked it on Twitter, which oh man, and then all of a sudden Jacob <laughs> Freya saw it. And we're in this position of we have to get Ian Post somehow to Tampa Bay to meet you know Jacob Freya, make this happen or, or or whatever. And we didn't know who to talk to, and we reached out to you and you you brought us in you're like hey cool here's the person you contact here's how you do this and it happened i mean and and th- th- <laughs> the idea that like we had no idea you were just this name that we're were like oh my god it's jason collette he does this all this great stuff and like you're just like yeah this is some random person you know inside of our community let me help you out and get you set up to meet him and go on the field and have this interview uh, which, I mean, we I still won't forget his uh, his girlfriend gave him a little polo that said PL on it. It was <laughs> amazing. It, it really, really was incredible. We had him as the start of our podcast. Like, you're you're listening to the On the Corner podcast. Hi, I'm Jake Faria. It was like, it was such a cool thing. It only happened because, you know, you extended your hand out um, to the community, essentially, to help us out. So that's always stuck with me, Jason. And, um, and meeting with Tat Wars, just a big... Just a fantastic welcome, you know, a, a huge light in the industry. So, really, just uh, on the behalf of all of us, thank you for that for that welcome, that massive hug.
2: No, yeah, thank you. I mean, it's really all about paying it forward because that's how you know getting back into, uh, yeah, that's how I actually got into the 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 expert league, the industry league stuff. Was in, in 07, Bob and Byron running Rotor Junkie had a seat at Outwards. They couldn't make it. They both both of them had family matters pop up the same week. Uh, and they didn't want to lose the seat and i was like hey i got a bunch of travel miles i can go uh and so i went nobody in the room knows who i am i'm just <laughs> like there and at the time it was the nl it's like the, the, the first person i met was Corey schwartz cory's like hey you're new i'm cory and i was like hey, i'm jason and you know cory and i still talk you know as often as we can to this day but it's right, like right. Corey just turned and said hey you're new you must be uh you know freaking out a little bit. Like, yeah, I am. And, you know, Corey got me, uh, got me involved. So I've been in ToutWare since 07, even though I was only a substitute person. uh, They actually created a rule the next year saying, hey, you can't just send subs. So I was like, oh, man, the pressure's on me. And so I finished second place the next year. And so I've been able to stick around. Uh, But it was like that was that's how established things were. It's like you can't just send somebody. Uh, because Mm -hmm. nobody knew who I was. And so I showed up in an auction. I was like, I think I bought like seven of the first 15 guys. I was like, then I was like, oh crap, I'm out of money. (laughs) Uh, But I was, I mean, literally like i i what am i doing here i, ca- I can't believe I, I can't believe i'm in this room i mean i read these these are the results that i've been consuming for years and here i am drafting
1: against these guys Ugh. yeah this is how i this is how i feel every single time so <laughs> I, I completely understand where you come from with this i mean yeah it, it, so this is 40 15 years you've been doing tout wars now yeah um and i i i guess i think one thing that i'm sure a lot of people we're curious about I've been asking a lot of uh, a lot of our guests about this is, you know, what outside of say, like, just continue to write and continue to learn those kind of things. What are the little the little elements of writing and being inside this industry that you would pass on to anyone that's just starting right now?
2: Um, Read other people. Uh, And it's just you may not. I'd like I'd like trying to learn different styles and different things that people are doing. And so I try to read quite a bit. And I also try to tie in different different elements. As I mentioned earlier, I was listening to the book by Dan Heath called Upstream. I listen to a lot of self. Uh, self, not really self help, but professional development stuff. I listen to a sure, lot of yeah. stuff about customer experience. I try to tie in. I, I try to tie in things from my business life that apply to fantasy life, uh, and 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 try to mix in those stories. Be personable. It doesn't have to be. You know, sometimes you read some people. You're like, oh my god, that comes across as so robotic. I can't. Yeah, you, know, you gotta. Yeah. You try to relate to the person. And if you if you feel like you're writing and you. You're like, Try to understand who your audience is uh, and try to aim for the middle. Uh, I used to try to use it as I wanted my dad to understand what I did. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, my dad passed away in 2016. Towards the end, he was like, oh, I I think I understand this stuff. And it is really it was more of I wanted somebody to be able to, to understand like, oh, wow, okay, I get this. Now I get this. Early right. on, it was, I just want this to be more mainstream. And now, you know, we've got Petriello doing StatCast things. And, it's, and we've seen it's Alex on broadcast. And it's like, yeah. okay, now it's there. And I want more of that. Uh, right. But the only way that's going to happen is, is if like, if we, as a collective, continue to speak to the masses rather mm-hmm. than the niche, uh, the niche uh, audience. So it's like we have to. And some people, oh, you're dumbing it down. Well, no, that's on the writer. You don't have to dumb it down. You just have to explain yourself better and, and look for the healthy balance between... Um, air quotes, dumbing it down, or or, or trying to say, yeah, I need I need you to understand this concept, and how can you do that without being too verbose or turning into a five paragraph defense. Uh, of, uh, ERA estimates. You know, what,
1: yeah, what you're talking about is actually a discussion, um, we had inside of the PL plus discord a bit, which I thought, I think is a really, really tough one is here we are. We're in this bubble of understanding, as you're saying, like XFIP and FIP and, you know, understanding swing strike rates and CSW and OBP and everything, all the stuff that is just so overwhelming to the casual listener. Um, his barrel rates and all that stuff. And at the end of the day, though, I mean, it's all very, the same it's the same stuff it's just but mm-hmm. you got to use the right language and for me i don't I'm, I'm not too worried about it you know if i'm watching a game with someone and i often just like to ask like hey do you like that player or not you know and they'll give you an answer as to why they like them or or not and then if you feel differently you know you can say things like um if he has a high barrel rate or something like no he should get he's getting unlucky or something oh man but he hits the ball really hard every single time Like everyone can understand that, you know, let's say his FIP is way underneath his ERA, which essentially if you understand FIP, right, it's just he's getting unlucky with the stuff that's going on in play. Mm -hmm. So then you can say, oh man, I think he's pitching really well. It's just like the balls haven't gone the way that they should, you know? I mean, you don't ever, ever need to use the words FIP and X ERA. You don't have to say any of this stuff that they don't know. You know, at the end of the day, David Cohen said it really well, like, it's just more information. It's just better information. That's all analytics is. Yep. Uh, and th- those kind of conversations, it's you never. <laughs> it's so so important that you never make them feel uncomfortable. That you That's never right. make them feel like they need to defend their position. That you know, don't you never approach as saying that they're wrong because maybe they're not wrong. You know, don't don't, don't just have us in the thing that oh, I know analytics, so I'm I know better than this than you do. No. <laughs> you're both fans you're both like rooting for the same thing you both have very good opinions just talk about a different way if you you know anytime uh you know you, you talk to anything anyone about anything really uh, you guys might have different opinions, but I will always listen to them. Like maybe rethink how I'm thinking about it because we're right. Outside, we're just talking about it. You, you can you
2: can learn it. from anybody. You can learn from everybody. And and yes. that's really, how you rephrase it, like as, you know, as soon as you and I are done today, I'm doing a local sports radio hit. Uh, a friend of mine has a, a show here, and I, I you know I've been appearing on his show since he was doing it in Virginia. He happened to relocate to Charlotte. I'm like, dude, I live here. This is great. Uh, yeah. And so you know, when I go on his show, I'm not talking about. Uh, XFP. I'm not talking about luck. Dragons. Like I'm gonna say, hey, you know, yeah, he's had a rough stretch. But when I'm looking at things, I see better days ahead. Don't give up on him. It's like, oh, hey, you know, Freddie Freeman. uh, He likes to talk about the Braves. Freddie Freeman. I'm like, yeah, you know, Freddie Freeman's had a rough, rough go of it. So I'm like using different language. To say the same thing, whether yeah. I want to talk about, you know, his ex-Wolba is going to be, you know, I'm not going to use that on a sports Definitely radio not. station. It's never it's going to go right over the head and everybody's going to change the station. So it's just a matter of really knowing your audience, but having the capacity to do that, you know, take off one hat, put on another, uh, and the same thing in your writing. Again, know your audience and that that really dictates how you're going to deliver the information.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, and, and I think it's very important to realize too, I know it's easy for us to say, okay, this is who this guy is, and for someone else to say, this guy is not that, and we just go, oh, how dare you say that, you know? Let me tell you why you're wrong. Like, just let's... Let's start it off by thinking, okay, maybe they're not wrong. <laughs> right. And like let's actually just talk about it as opposed to I need to convince you otherwise.
2: Probing questions. All right, tell me why this guy is this. Just
1: probing questions. <laughs> that's all you gotta do. And don't and don't make it obvious. <laughs> don't make it obvious. Like, well, tell me everything about this, because clearly we know the you know. Just just that's how you have these conversations. Um, I mean I'm certainly trying to be better at it myself when I hear that some guy is a great pitcher, I'm like, do you realize that he has a 17% CSW and it's not sustainable whatsoever? Like, he's terrible. But yeah,
2: I'm now, trying to think who I called. I want called to say up. that. I was talking to Justin the other day and I called somebody a Toby. He goes, how dare you?
1: And I'm yes! like... Oh. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, sometimes they are and it's just, ah, they are, they are a Toby. Oh man, I'm touched that you use that, by the way, Jason. My God. Oh, man, we got the um, we have the new Toby shirts. I don't know if you know this with like it's like the Air Jordan font with Toby from the office, like a red tie pitching a baseball. Oh, fantastic. Oh, I love that one. It, it's so good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but that that's I think that's a really good takeaway. Good piece of advice. Being like how you're writing. Make sure you're pulling things in and you're not writing in a way that's a textbook that it's, you know, it, it, you're speaking in the language of the people that are listening. Um, I mean, I've said this a lot. Like I, I focus on 12 teamers for a reason. Mm hmm. Because that's the majority. That's what, like you know, you're never going to get everybody's league and stuff. If you have the baseline of a 12 teamer, you're gonna have people in 10 teamers. You're gonna have people playing NFBC. Be able to adjust from there. But 12 yep. teamers is easily the one if you want to, you know, start writing and really appeal to as many people as you can. That's right. Oh man. Uh. So. So now where you're at. So you said you're 49. You you have this. Uh, you have the 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 private sector for education. You're working on technology, making it easier for them to do everything inside of the, their schools. But you also write and you do podcasting. What what do you want the next steps for Jason Colette to be?
2: Uh, honestly, I would like to do uh, more video. Not saying I have a mm. face for video, but I do enjoy like the oh, format you, do. you and I, I are like right now. have
1: got it's <laughs> great. You got the, you got it all set up for video
2: because I do I do enjoy video because I you can include. It, bring in some props, have some visuals. I I like that Uh, because I tend to, if you, if you, you know, read my writing at RotoWire, yes, I use a lot of visuals, but it's like, I want to make that point. And I know that some, you have an attention, a lot of folks have a five to seven minute attention span when it comes to reading stuff. So I want to, I'll say what I have to say, but I'll show what I want to show. And when you're doing that in audio only format, uh, it could be different. That's how you can get verbose, like uh, verbose. Think back in the day when Spore and I were going three and a half hours on some of the old uh, Towers of Power podcast is like we would get on one guy and who go like 45 minutes just talking about a yeah. dude. Uh, and so go, that's the kind of thing. So I would I would like to do a, a little more of that. I I don't know if I could ever be. Like when I watched, again, getting back to Alex, when we did his old MLB network appearance the other day, yeah, I was like, How does a dude who doesn't do this really for a living walk into a studio and just like own the set like he did in that?
1: Oh, I mean, he's an actor, he's a trained actor. This is like, I gotta tell you, I know, but I mean, Fast is made for that. That was really is like made for it, and it's, it's oh, I was so proud. Like, that's a go and shine, Fast. This is what you're made to do.
2: That was when I was watching out, it was like. You know, that's somebody who looks like he's been in the studio every day for months. And yeah. no. Like I would that just to sit on a set for once, I'd be like, okay, dream. I, I you know, I, I've made it, uh, type of thing. Right. But honestly, I would like a, to do more of this. Just honestly, the schedule doesn't uh permit for it. Yeah, you know, I have sure. a my as I said, back in the day when I had fewer professional responsibilities and, and, and even family responsibilities, it was you know, easy to like, sure, I'll say yes to anything. Um, right, right. Now it's like I got to control my schedule because just like anything else, if you don't control your time, other people will do it for you. Mm-hmm. And then you've overstretched yourself and, and then the quality of your work suffers. So I'm very strategic in who I say yes to and who I say no to. Well, then uh, and when I make that today. available.
1: Yeah, you're, I'm very touched you made it here today. That oh, you're, you're an auto not. yes man. It just really depends <laughs> <laughs> oh, on the time. Get out of here. It get depends on the here. time, but you're an auto yes stop man. Stop it, stop it. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah. So like, I understand for me, the uh, you know, I do the Twitch streams in the morning and everything like that. Now I'm starting to really embrace this video. I mean, it's really fun. It creates a different dynamic than it used to. Of right. it's much more free flowing. It's more about faith and just kind of yourself as a you know, you're selling yourself more. And uh, yes, you don't have as much time to really be nitty gritty in every single line, but this is yeah as you said this is kind of where everything is moving right now mm-hmm. and you don't have to do you know what i do which is like a two and a half morning streams or whatever uh it, just the little things even like just the base hits that fast is doing those yeah. little one minute things is an amazing start for anybody just trying to jump into video you know that stuff can do great things for you and just fine-tune it and make it better it doesn't really matter the first 50 or 100 or whatever once you get the one that is right that's really your first one, you know, um, so just keep working at it, make sure that you're improving it and I more details and all that kind of stuff. But look, I got to let you go. So uh, Jason, before you do, remind everybody where they can find what you're doing, all that fun stuff.
2: Sure. So on Twitter at Jason Collette, uh, it's the two L's, the two E's, the silent E at the end. Uh, Every now and then there's a musician that has no E at the end. And so I get like, hey, Jason's performing a concert. I'm like, no, (laughs) Jason doesn't do that. Uh, So there's that. Uh, The Sleeper in the Bust on most Sundays. And then uh, the collect Calls column at RotoWire. Uh, it is behind a paywall, but you can do I think it's rotowire.com forward slash radio 10 day free trial. If you want to check it out, the the subscription rate for in season uh, is is like three cups of coffee. It's so affordable. Yeah. Uh, and th- I'm just one of many talented writers on that staff. Uh, and so yeah, it's worth it. I'm, Please, I'm going to tell you right now,
1: I mean, <laughs> at the very least, just for you know, collect calls, which is one of the best puns I've ever heard. But also for the fact that your expected schedule for the week is just un- unparalleled.
2: I mean, well, that, You can also take the, uh, the, the piece, the, the league piece, you can insert your leagues and then it puts a little icon on the article. So if you're reading an article, you can click on it and say, Oh crap, I own that player in this league. And so it allows you right. to track you know, the, the guys that you have, or it'll say, Hey, that player's a free agent in your home league. So you can go in and, and work your fab that
1: way. Do, so is, it's do, very- you, do you have a promo code so people can know that they got it through you? You know what? They don't. They don't do that. I, I've asked oh. for it
2: because I've asked for that. But yeah, <laughs> okay. uh, the tie. The Just, them. Just tell circle, them it was collect. <laughs> to bring us all full circle, though, the collect calls. Came from one of my middle school students. My middle school oh, students were wait. like, "Oh, collect like collect calls." I'm like, "Sure." Anyhow, C O
1: L E C T. Oh, I remember those
2: yeah, ads that's when so weird, I, uh, I started a column. It's been the column name at RotoWire the entire time. Somebody, think I need a name, and I'm like, "Oh, I'll just use what my former students used to say: collect calls." Uh, yeah. And so that's where their name came from.
1: Well, uh, all right, Jason, um, I'll be spending time with Spore actually on Friday, it looks like, to do the new fireside by Luis Castillo. So I'll try and spend oh, nice. 45 minutes on one player in your behalf <laughs> there. Uh, but really, thank you so much for being a part of this. It's really awesome having you here. It's an, I mean, it was an obvious like, oh, yeah, got to get Jason Clyde on here. Right away, um, and the, the fact that you like quickly, yes. What well, time? Let's do it. Let's make it happen. You're the best, Jason. Um, everyone, give him a follow and, and, and just go get Ro do the whole thing. What, read uh, collect calls. Listen to sleeper in the bus on Sunday with with Mason and Jason. But that wow, that have you ever mentioned that before? That's an amazing thing, Mason and Jason. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <yet>. wow. <laughs> What what is what is going on? Here? Okay. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Nick Pollack and Friends. As always, uh, you can check this out every Wednesday morning, and I'll talk to you guys next week.